Vanamali Gita Yogashram, Rishikesh, North India, situated on the banks of the holy river Ganga at the foothills of the Himalayas. This is the tenth talk in the series and is on the ninth chapter of the Srimad Bhagavad Gita. It is entitled Rajavidya Rajaguhya Yoga or the Yoga of sovereign knowledge and sovereign secret. Om Shri Krishnaya Paramatmane Namaha Om Shri Patasaradaya Namaha ಮೋದ್ಯಾಯಮ್ಯಾಮೋಕ್ಷಸೇಷುಭಾಗವಿದ್ಯಾಗುಪ್ಯಂಪವಿತ್ರಮಿದಮುತ್ತಮ ಪ್ರತ್ಯಕ್ಷಾವಗಮಂಧರ್ಮ್ಯಂಸುಖಂಕರ್ತುಮ್ಯಯಂಶ್ವದ್ದಾನಾಪುರುಷಾಧರ್
परम
a knowledge which is beyond words, but which can be tested on the touchstone of direct experience. It is the right and just knowledge, dharmyam, the very law of our being. Now the doubt might arise that such a supreme knowledge might be very difficult for man to practice. In order to dispel this doubt, Lord Krishna's very next words are susugam kattum avyayam. It is very easy to practice when one gets hold of it, sees it, and faithfully tries to live up to it. Faith in this dharma is an essential ingredient to being able to follow it. The jiva that fails to get faith in this higher mode of life must perform a return to the path of mortal life. For this is a truth which has to be known in the growing light of spiritual experience and not argued in the darkness of the lower mind. One has to grow into it to become it. That is the only way to verify it. And one cannot grow into something which one denies mentally. It is only by exceeding the lower self and the inexhaustible arguments of the unevolved intellect which goes by outward facts alone that we can become the divine self. No amount of intellectual argumentations can convince us of the existence of God only by establishing a direct contact with him through the process of yoga, which is a process of emptying oneself of one's ego, can we hope to realize him. Because he is not something which comes from outside, but he is the very core of our being. The practice of this yoga is easy because we give up the working of all into the hands of the divine Purusha who works out the divine birth in us simply and infallibly by taking up our entire being into his capable hands as he took up the reins of Arjuna's chariot, filling us with his own knowledge and power. The thing which we believe with our entire faith and without egoism will be accomplished by the God within Man's mind is prone to maintain 
an unbridgeable gap between him and the divine. It converts God into a future possibility and not a present existence. We all think that God can be contacted tomorrow or the day after, some years later, at the end of life, or perhaps only after death, or maybe after many deaths. This is a psychological error based on the notion that the jiva is a separate entity from God and exists in a special space-time continuum, totally different from God. In the next few verses, the Gita asserts that God is the supreme inclusiveness that enfolds into itself all beings, all individuals, everything that exists. There is nothing on earth or heaven or in all the worlds which has a separate identity and existence apart from his being. Everything is rooted in his being so that nothing can ever be if God were not to be. Therefore, we cannot be a present existence and God a future existence. If we are sure that we have a present existence, we can be equally certain that God is also a present existence. Maya Tadamidam Sarvam Everything is permeated by me. Mastani Sarvabhodani All beings are sustained by me. As the all-pervading air eternally dwells in ether, so also all beings abide in me. Whatever was, whatever is, and whatever shall be, is engulfed in his infinitude. He is the cause of all causes, as well as the effect. He is both creator as well as creation. Knowing this, those blessed souls adore him and worship him, sing his names as the one absolute, egatwena, as the manifold creation, pridatwena, and as being revealed in each and everything, Bahuda Sarvadhomukam. Omni face is him. Every speck of space, every atom of matter can be regarded as a mirror which reflects his face. To think of him 
would be to drown one's little self in an indescribable ecstasy in which the ego melts like mist before the glory of the rising sun. Yet the Lord says that though all exists in him, yet he is not in them. How is this seeming contradiction to be reconciled? This is because the Supreme is also beyond manifestation. What we see is only a self-created form or rupa and not the actual form or swarupa. All this mass of becomings and existences cannot contain him either in their sun or in their separate existences. It is not in them or by them that he lives or has his being. Though the fish live in the water, the water cannot be said to live in the fish. They are his becomings. He is their being. He is at once one with all this, yet exceeds it. The mystery of his being is that he is supercosmic and not extracosmic. In the inconceivable, timeless, spaceless infinity of his existence, he has extended this minor phenomenon of a boundless universe in an endless space and time by a spiritual and not a material act of creation. The luminous, uninvolved presence of God has a constant relationship with his becoming and brings all into existence by his simple presence. Let but this esoteric truth cannot be understood till we attain cosmic consciousness. So for the time being, he uses the terminology of space and time, that everything exists in him as air exists in space. Creation, he says, is a pressing down by him on his nature or privity, which lets loose the whole phenomenon of existences in a cyclical order of creation and dissolution. Yet, these things do not bind him for he is above his prakriti. The jiva follows the cycle of its becoming 
in the action of the divine nature. In ignorance, it is subject to Prakriti's cyclic will and is dominated by her. Only by a return to the divine consciousness can it realize its destiny and thus attain freedom. By the mysterious power of a divine yoga, the jiva has come into this world a phenomenon, and it is only by a reverse movement of the same yoga that it can transcend the limits of its phenomenal nature and return to the divinity from which it came. The Supreme Self that pervades and supports these workings of prejudice is not affected by the changes because he does not participate in them. He proceeds and exceeds all her workings and remains the same before, during and after all their processions in the vast cycles of time. Yet, yet, since Prakriti is his nature, he must be imminent in everything she creates. Even though this is not the whole truth of his existence, yet it is an important truth and those who ignore his presence and despise the divinity clothed in human form, whether manifest as in the avatar or veiled as in the world of living creatures, becomes a prey to the nature of the asura, who is one who sacrifices everything to the insatiable satisfaction of his separate ego. All the actions, hopes and knowledge of such lives are vain, he says. Moghasha, Moghakarmani, Moghatnyana Vijayadasa, for they shut out the one great hope, the one liberating action, and the one illumining knowledge. It is a false knowledge. It sees the many, but misses the one. A blind hope that chases off to the transitory and misses the eternal. And a useless action whose every fruit is a failure in the spiritual sense. But those who know him in truth worship him in all ways and many ways. Some worship him through knowledge. They value nothing for its own sake, but for the sake of the all-blissful Kirishottam. Life becomes a constant yoga for them. This knowledge 
easily turns to adoration. And this is the bhakti which is truly an enlightened bhakti. For to know him is to love him, and to love him is to act for him. All our activities are offered as a yatnya to him. The ancient Vedic sacrifice is a powerful ritual, but the real sacrifice is the inner oblation in which the Divine Himself is recognized as the ritual, the sacrifice, the fire, the offering, and the sacred mantra. Aham Kradu Aham Yatna Sadaham Ahamaushadam Mantroham Ahamevanchyam Ahamagle Aham Hudam All that is received from him is given up to him in an act of worship. He is himself the Veda as well as what is made known by the Veda. He is both knowledge and object of knowledge. To the soul that thus knows and adores him, God becomes everything. He is the father who creates, the mother who nourishes and lavishes on us the sweetness of her love and fills this universe with her manifold forms of beauty. He is the master and ordainer, the path and the goal, a path in which there is no fear of getting lost and a goal to which he is being wisely made. He knows God to be his husband, his home, his country, his refuge, his wise and only friend, the imperishable seed and origin of all. Gadir, Bharta, Prabhu, Sakshi, Nivasa, Sharanam, Suhurda, Prabhava, Pralaya, Stanam, Nidanam, Bijatavdina. It is he that burns in the heat of the sun and the flame, who gives rain and withholds it. Death is his mask, and immortality his self-revelation. He is both existence as well as non-existence. Amritam chayvamrutyascha sadasatchahamadjinam to see nothing but the Divine, to be every moment in union with Him, to love Him in all creatures, and delight only in Him, is the condition of the spiritual existence. But let it not be taught that this vision divorces Him from life and that he misses out on the joys of material life. In one of the most beautiful verses 
of the Gita, the 22nd verse, the Lord declares emphatically that He Himself will look after the needs, both material and spiritual, of those who are constantly in union with Him. Ananya Chintayantoma Yejana Padyupasati Desham Nityabhyuktanam Yogakshemam Mahamyaham This is his solemn promise. The needs of such a devotee who has dedicated his whole being to him will be completely looked after by him. He shall take care of everything that belongs to him and lead him to salvation. The truth of this promise is a constant experience of all bhaktas. Even a thousand fathers and mothers cannot equal God in compassion and concern, in love, and affection. The love that God has for man is a millionfold greater than the love that man imagines himself to have for God. This mighty law operates because he is present everywhere at all times. Wherever we are in need, Whatever the time of night or day, whichever the place, forest, desert, or city, He is immediately present to cater to our wants, to rescue us and succor us, to help us and to comfort us. So long as we are united with Him, mentally, the joys of heaven and the joys of earth are a mere shadow compared to the joy which engulfs such a devotee. For as he grows into the divine, the divine also flows into him with all the light and power and glory of his infinite existence. Ordinary religion, he says, is a sacrifice to the partial Godheads and not to the integral divinity. Men consecrate their life to the partial powers of divine existence as they see them. Yet, if they do this with faith, their faith is justified. But the Divine accepts whatever symbol of Himself is present to the mind of the worshipper and rewards Him according to the faith that He has in With its usual generosity, the Gita accepts all sincere religious belief to be a seeking after the one supreme and universal Godhead. For after all, 
He is the sole master of man's sacrifice and the sole enjoyer of his actions. Aham hi sarvayat jnanam bhokta cha prabhureva cha However small or low the form of worship, however limited the idea of Godhead, however restricted the offering, still the faith and effort to go beyond the veil of one small ego is always rewarded and there is an immediate response. Which is the mother that can reject the minute offering of her little child? But naturally, the worshipper has to attain the form worshipped by him until his ideas change and he conceives of the highest. He will have to go from form to form until he attains the supreme form, which is also a formlessness. Absolute self-giving and single-pointed surrender of the mind is the crown of this message. It is not important what you give, but how you give it even if it be a leaf or a flower, a fruit or even water, I will delightfully accept if offered with love, he says. Patram pushpam phalam dhoram yome bhaktya prayaschati tadaham bhakti bahridam ashnam prayadatman But even this special offering of a fruit or flower is not really necessary. Whatever you do, whatever you eat, whatever you offer as a sacrifice, whatever you give as charity, whatever austerity you perform, do it for me. Yad karoshi yadash nasi, yad juhoshi dadasi yada. Yet tabasya sikanteya tad purusha madarpana. Here, the slightest circumstance of life, the most insignificant gift of what one has, the smallest action assumes a divine significance and becomes the most precious offering to God who makes it a means to raising the devotee to his own high status. The divine is the inhabitant in all existences. He is equally the friend of all. He is enemy to none. None has he cast out or eternally condemned. All at last have to go to him. But perfect adoration of God makes this fact of an indwelling God a conscious thing and it becomes 
a perfect union, love for him, and a total surrender of the self is the swiftest way to this divine oneness. If once this surrender has been made with faith and sincerity, all can have access to him, all can enter his temple. Abhichet Suduracharo Bhajade Maam Ananyabha Sadudeva Samantati Samyak even if he be the worst of all sinners, yet he should be considered as a saint, for he has decided rightly. All worldly considerations disappear in the temple of God. There is no demarcation between sinners and saying, if even a man of evil conduct turns to him with his soul and entire love, he should be considered a saint. Swiftly he becomes the soul of righteousness and obtains eternal peace. Kshipram Bhavadi Dharmatma. In other words, this your self-giving throws open all the gates of the spirit and brings in response an entire descent and self-giving of the Godhead to him who surrenders his all the Lord in turn gives himself by his love the devotee tears away the veil between him and God. It love annuls every error and thrusts aside every obstacle. Those who approach him, flaunting their own feeble intellectual affirmations and egoistic virtues, will no doubt reach him in time. But to him who gives up his entire heart in adoration, sacrifices his intellect, ego, and will, God himself comes and tenderly lifts him up. To the ignorant he gives knowledge, to the feeble he gives power, and to the sinner a divine purity. Their weaknesses are swept away in the might of his strength. This is my promise, says the divine voice of his charioteer. He who loves me shall never perish. Kanteya pradijanihi name bhakta pranashyati in this royal yoga, man and woman find their equal rights before God. The divine is no respecter of persons or social distinctions. All can go to him without fear or trembling. 
down this royal road, the Brahmin leading a pure life, and the outcast born from the womb of sin can travel together with ease. The purity and holiness of the Brahmin, the enlightenment of the sage king, have their value because they make it easier for the imperfect human being to arrive at this wide vision of self-surrender. But even without this preparation, all who take refuge in the divine love find the gates of God opening before them. It matters not if it's the tradesman preoccupied with the getting and spending of wealth, the servants hampered by a thousand restrictions, or women shut in and stunted by the will of man, or the outcast on whom their past karma has imposed the very worst of births. In the spiritual life, all external distinctions cease. This was a revolutionary statement for Lord Krishna to me. In the Vedas, salvation was reserved for the upper castes, and a woman's salvation lay only through the service of her husband. She had no direct approach. But the Lord, in his extreme compassion, brings the God of the Vedas into the arms of the afflicted and the outcast and demands nothing but a total self-surrender. No austerity, no charity, no knowledge and no noble birth could be compared to this heartfelt devotion and love. The only price for the divine was the complete love and surrender of the human. This is the famous doctrine of Sharanagati or Prapti as advocated by the Vaishnava saints. Man suffers so long as he attaches himself to the narrow world of dualities. The way to liberation is to turn from the outward to the inward, from the appearance to the reality. Love of the world, which is the mask, must give way to love of God, the face behind the mask. Once this inner God is known, and embrace and enshrine the whole of life undergoes a sure and swift uplift. The pain of the world will disappear in the bliss of the blissful. Our human weakness will be transformed into the strength of the Almighty. This 
is the synthesis of the three yogas of jnana, karma, and bhakti, wherein all the aspects of our personality are directed for that one purpose for which they were given to us. Mahatma Gandhi calls this the Anashakti Yoga of the Gita, by which the jiva, realizing its true nature, divorces itself from the clamoring demands of its phenomenal existence and turns to God for its entire support.
जी